The Athletic. Totally Football Show Europe today. Bundesliga, badly drawn Bayern and hello Cancelo. Spain, Gattuso goes, Reno Sinevada from Valencia. France, big will still, keeps it real as PSG gets ranced again. And Serie A, holy moly, Juve flop like ravioli and problems too for Stefano Pioli. It's all coming up and loads more too in this Totally Football Show. Tuesday, 31st of January, and James Horncastle, Julian Laron, Alva Romeo, and Raphael Honigstein are all sat around a table for the first time ever. We're in almost two years, Alvaro. Three, I would say. Really? Mar- three? M- March 2020, yeah. Almost three yeah. years. I counted every day. But now here we are, sat Woo! around the same table, breathing the same air. Incredible. It's yeah. a bit awkward, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Good to be back. You're the only one that prefers remotely. Only for sociopaths. It's a bit awkward. Uh, I mean, I just like my own space. Yeah. <laughs> we know. And not wearing we trousers know. as well. Well, you're still not wearing trousers. Well, that's so. true. Hey, check us out on video. If you haven't already listened, to get along to the Totally Football Show's YouTube channel and you'll see some, I'd call it exclusive content, but it's clearly not. Anyway, you'll see some video content. We're waving now. Hello. Oh, what? They're filming us? Yeah. They are. All right. Because the real reason everyone struggled in today is that it's transfer deadline day. Okay. Is it? Yeah. Any one big of, news? Yeah, one of the deals that struck me is Kevin Martins uh, going from Inter's youth team to Monza. Why? Because he's Oberfemi Martins, his son. Brilliant. So, there you go. Nice. The right. next generation. Is he on loan? Every Are they parking him at Monza? Uh, I don't know exactly what they're doing, but it's a classic Adriano Galliani. I have to do a deal because it's deadline day. Right. So let me itch. Let Adrian- me scratch that itch. Right. Andrea Galliani, the, the architect uh, for so many years, or one of them, of that great Milan side, currently working wonders at Monza, as we'll, we're here so very soon. Rafa, I think one of the big Euro transfers that people are very excited about is Jao Cancelo going to Bayern Munich. Yeah. I mean, Bayern are very excited. Mm. Manchester City fans may be slightly concerned. Mm. One of the best players in recent years is going. I think this is not just a sporting decision. From City's point of view, there's clearly been a breakdown or at least a straining of relations. What have you heard? Well, the same thing that's that's been published, that there's just not really that much of a relationship between the two. Cancelo, I think James can maybe talk about this, uh, has a bit of history um, from his days at Juventus, getting a little bit upset sometimes uh, and confrontational with coaches. And Pep is not somebody who stands for that sort of thing. And for Bayern, it's a dream. This, it's a player they've been admiring for a long time, following for a long time. They probably thought that you, you will never get this kind of player out of Man City. But maybe in similarities with a Leroy Sané deal, one City or Pep or both of them decide that they no longer want to use this player, then Bayern are there to say, OK, let's, let's just try. They have an option to buy. I think that reflects maybe some concern that he's not quite at his best. I think he hasn't been playing his, his best football for the reasons perhaps that we've talked about. And they can take a good look for six months and then decide. They would not spend 80 million euros on 
Joy Cancelo AZ, right? Which is the, the buyout clause. They would prefer not to, you know, for a, for a fullback. Um, there is a chance that they might renegotiate this. Mm-hmm. From City's point of view, why would they necessarily let them go for cheaper the way the prices are at the moment? So we'll, we'll have to see. But uh, if he's happy, if Bayern are happy, then it makes a lot of sense. And it def- definitely helps Bayern at the moment because they have real problems in the fullback positions. Lucas Hernandez is injured. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nusir Masrawi is uh, suffering from a bit of ha- uh, heart problems uh, after a COVID infection. And the people who you'd re- usually sort of expect to step up, Benjamin Pavard is out of form. Stanisic looks still a little bit raw. Um, so they, they have a real need and it might make a big difference for the Spain team. Interesting. Alvaro, what's been going on in Spain? Have they been, has Barcelona been pulling levers again? They, they really can't sign anyone right now. Apparently there are... Well, they couldn't in the summer. <laughs> they, they did in the summer. <laughs> and they, they, they are going to pay uh, for that because obviously next summer they will have to think very carefully about who to sign, who not to sign. This winter, they have been offloading players. Memphis was one of them. Hector Bellerin is set to go to Sporting Lisbon as well. Apparently, there are 8 million that Barcelona can spend this winter, which is not a lot, on a loan, something like that, you know. But no more than that. That is the limit of Barcelona. But there are a couple of transfers that are very interesting for me. One of them is the rumor that goes in Spain now, with Matt Doherty moving to Atletico de Madrid, Ooh. reported by Marca. In a trippy-esque move. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That worked very well for uh, Atletico at the time. I don't think Matt Doherty has the quality of Kieran Trippier, but anyway, uh, they need a right back. And then another one that affects Germany is Isco possibly going to Union Berlin, which is one of the most random transfers I have <laughs> ever is. heard of. Yeah. He's in Berlin right now, no? Yeah, he's there. Medicals. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's crazy. it's going through at the moment. Um, yeah. That was going to be my moment of the week. Ooh. Oh, uh, James. Well, I tell you what, let's Ooh. have some moments of the week, starting with yours, Rafa. <laughs> yeah, well, Surprise. Christopher Trimmel, the uh, captain of Union Berlin, after their win in the derby against Hertha, posted an Instagram message saying, this one is for you, Isco. And it was a big <laughs> joke because this Isco rumor has been swirling around in Berlin and the players are saying, I mean, look, Isco is not coming to Union Berlin. This is, this is all a joke. So it became this thing. But then Isco tweeted, uh, texted back saying, you know, strong emoji. And here he is a couple of days later, is that's actually amazing. in Berlin signing. Do you think that's what got I the ball rolling for real? I think so, no. I think Self-fulfilling prophecy. Probably yeah. talked to the to agent like at this. some time. But the players just could not believe it. The age, the, the club was sort of saying, yeah, you know, it's, it's a nice thing to be linked with players like, uh, like Isco. Um, but they were sort of tweeting it as a joke. But here he is, uh, about to come in. I mean, the funny thing is the way Union have been playing, Will he even get into the starting eleven? They've been so good. They're second in the table, mm. just one point, one point behind Bayern. And they like to play quite direct. And the ball is at a level where perhaps Isco can't quite get to. <laughs> uh, just in terms of the, uh, what, what do they call it in, the, uh, in average Italy? Apex average height. apex height. Apex, apex. height, that's it. Yeah. So the average apex height, I don't know if I'm interpreting this stats no, no, correctly. I mean, yeah. <laughs> of Union's play, interpret it how you will. It's probably sort of two meters. Right. Um, they do play a bit more than they used to, but still, it is a very direct approach. And uh, yeah, can th- they uh, this, can they change? This deal just feels very Italian football. It feels like uh, Cesc Fabregas to Como. It feels like uh, Frank Ribery to Salernitana. Mm. That kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. He is oh. only 
Czechs notes. No, Isco is 30. Is it? Yeah, yeah is born, he really? in, born in 1992, I would say. Yeah, he right. hasn't played yeah. for two years. So. All right, we're, that, all, we're all jumping all over Rafa's yeah. moment of the weekend. Well, you should. Yeah, it's nice. Nice. Okay, uh, Alvaro. Well, my moment of the week is related in a way to Isco because uh, two players of his own generation, Iker Muniain and Koke, reached the 400 games in La Liga, Maestone, and I think that. Um, there is a merit in there. Uh, it's a coincidence that they did it in the same weekend. Koke won, Iker Muniain didn't, but these players were supposed to, you know, take the reins of Fabregas, Xavi, Iniesta. I'm talking about Isco, I'm talking about uh, Canales, I'm talking about Koke, I'm talking about Muniain. Players who didn't actually uh, win anything with Spain, but they are very good players. And the fact that he, Isco, uh, sorry, Muniain and Koke reached the 400 games milestone, I think that it's quite a thing. How many games has Isco reached of that generation? Uh, I think that in La Liga he played around 380. Oh, yeah, I was checking that this morning, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Canales, another player from that generation, is almost there. Muniain, we have to be say, uh, we have to say that in all fairness, hadn't he had uh, two ACL injuries, he would yeah. have reached this milestone way earlier. But uh, still, I mean, Koke, Muniain, La Liga history in a way, uh, reaching 400 games together. Very nice. James? <laughs> well, Milan are in crisis, um, but I think we can, we can get to that. Monza uh, have gone back-to-back. Back. They've beaten Juventus home and away. Um, and uh, on Sunday, um, this 2-0 win at the Allianz Stadium, uh, I think Jules will, uh, will enjoy this because one of the stories over the the World Cup period was Silvio Berlusconi at the Christmas yeah, party. Yeah, we mentioned that before. Uh, yeah. for, for Monza, promising his players a busload of um, sex workers. <laughs> sex workers. <laughs> That's what which, he said. Which he was, he couldn't believe he got criticised yeah. for that. You can't even um, say, yeah. I'm going <laughs> to give <Yeah>. the players <laughs> incentives. Yeah. Anyway, he promised them a busload of, of, of sex workers if um, they. Uh, won any of the games against the, the big three. Yeah, You're going to say it's working because... Your Milan's, your Inter. So they got a point against Inter. Yep. They've now beaten Juventus. Right. And the club's Twitter channel, uh, after the win, posted a photo of a bus mm. um, outside the, uh, the stadium. Oh, God. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, I wouldn't say that's my... Uh, in, in terms of highlights or lowlights, it's probably a low of the weekend. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but... Um, but yeah, Berlusconi is still very much, um, uh, you know, whatever version of Berlusconi this is that we're seeing, still very much in character. Very nice. Jules? Yeah. I'm going with Angers, who lost again, uh, this time against Brest, which is the 12th league defeat in a row, which mm. equaled the record from Dijon in 2021 and CA Paris in 33-34 as the shittest team in French football history, which is which is a record like another, I guess. So they could go one better than everybody else right. in midweek. Um, so they've changed managers. They're losing players. Unai is going to Marseille. Bufal is going to Saudi Arabia. All that kind of stuff for Qatar. And it looks like they're doomed. They're 10 points behind the, you know, in the bottom three. So, yeah, it's a sad, sad weekend for Angers and Defan. It's a historical club, you know, in France. Yeah, although they don't like to look back in, in Angers. No. And they're very, very... <laughs> They feel a lot of energy right, right now. Right, right. Hey, that's piqued my uh, interest in uh, the weekend's events in Liga. So let's start off our Euro Roundup in France. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network and sponsored by LiveScore Bet. You can get the latest football betting odds at LiveScoreBet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. 
par euh, Matuziwa le ballon est dans les airs avec Danilo puis avec euh, Zahir Emery le ballon est perdu attention Balogoul le ballon de partout Balogoul Balogoul dans la surface Balogoul qui crochette Balogoul qui marque Balogoul qui marque Alright That was extraordinary sound of the last kick of the game Sunday night between PSG and Reims and following Balogun 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 following Balogun yeah. Him <laughs> <laughs> Pulling off a remarkable equalizer. What, what a goal that was for Reims against Paris Saint-Germain. Amazing. It's, um, it was a ball lost by Warren Zaire Emery, the very promising youngster that played for PSG, who just came on. And then very quickly it was transformed into a chance for Reims and Balogun, who went through on goal one-on-one with Donnarumma and just go around him and scores. I mean, that goal was... The only thing really that was missing from Balogun's game because he was amazing from start to finish, his movement, uh, his awareness, his pace, everything. I mean, he's so talented, he's so good and he's been so good all season. This was not surprising because he's scored 11 goals now and half of the, 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 the goals that Reims have scored in Ligue 1. Um, so it was not surprising, but yeah, he's only 21. He's coming on loan from Arsenal to, to Ligue 1 in a team that until they changed managers, was a bit struggling, was very defensive under Oscar Garcia. And now, and, and he's, he was still performing. He's just, he's just so good. And Arsenal have another really good striker on their books mm. and he's going to come back to Arsenal and they would have to decide what to do next season with him. But that was also everything that Reims deserved because they were the better team. They probably didn't even deserve to win, not even just draw or lose. They okay. were so much better than PSG. Balogun, uh, New York born and bred. Indeed, yeah. yeah. Well, he was born there anyway, but uh, but he, potentially an England player. He's yeah, in he England. hasn't decided, I yeah. believe. Yeah. Already? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think the, in the US, they're still hoping they can convince him to choose the USA. Uh, and I think he might have played for the England youth team, though, mm. already. So Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. They were playing against a 10-man PSG because uh, Marco Verratti had been sent off for a yeah. pretty hideous challenge uh, during the game. This was a, a match which saw uh, Messi, yeah. Neymar and Mbappé back together for the first time, what, since the World Cup, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. But it didn't see the results that they, they, they were hoping for. One win now in the last four for the Brazilians. Yeah, it's terrible. Uh, four league games since the restart, uh, four points, uh, two defeats away at Lens and, and, and Rennes, and then a home win against Strasbourg, which was very difficult to obtain. And then this draw, where they didn't play well, the front three, the whole team, uh, they were very frustrating. They started really pissing me off now because the I just French don't guy. see I just don't see anything from the French guy. He's, right. he's doing my head in, he's talking, he makes those big statements, oh, we are complacent, I have to make decisions, I have to make choices. And in the end, you don't see anything. And you do not. No, But and I, I guess there's a point where... Maybe it's impossible to play them you just, together. Just you know, you just did a Thierry Henry. <laughs> no, because uh, because James was going to talk, so I, I I caress his leg <laughs> to say like, just before you talk, I talk. Tame him. And maybe it's impossible with any managers, Pep, Carlo, Klopp, whoever you want, to play them three together and right. play well. Okay. I mean, they played well before the World Cup, but it was you know. Can Can I sit next to Jules next time, <laughs> please? Yeah, I love that we're uh, filming this so that uh, whilst Jules is talking. Yeah. Uh, our viewers or listeners can see that Raf's just texted. <laughs> well, work never stops, James. Work <laughs> no, never stops. It is deadline day, I'll give you that. It is deadline yeah. day. But I, I was going to say, Jules, that mm. surely we've got past the point where we can blame the manager at PSG now because this is what we do every year. Mm. It's, it's not, it doesn't matter yeah, who's the manager right. at PSG. Maybe you're Sorry, right. Sorry, Jules, I'm about to cry. <laughs> yeah, no, I like, I like when you uh, touch my leg as well. It's just, uh, yeah, maybe, but maybe you're right. Maybe it's not right. about the manager. But, I mean, Mbappe and Messi especially, the lack of effort 
and the lack of running defensively. But but overall, it was terrible. I mean, they lost the ball so many times. They gave position away. Neymar was the, actually the only one really trying trying in that game. And it's funny because after the game, Abdelhamid, who is the, the, the Reims captain, said, I mean, we knew that because the front three doesn't, doesn't defend, we knew that as soon as we could put the ball behind that three, then it would be much, much easier for us because it was literally eight PhD players against whatever Reims could put forward. And they were really good Reims. They had 17 shots. I mean, if Nagelsmann or Bayern were watching for the game in two weeks, they must have thought like, okay, Bayern, I know Bayern have issues that we would come on a bit later, but PSG are just a shambles. Will still, will still, will still again. Still not nice loving guy. Paris. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. He's such a nice guy. Still mentioned costing them 20,000 euros a match. 22,000 euros a match. That's right. Yeah. Because he doesn't have his badges. Yeah. Yeah. He's only 30. Uh, he turned 30 last October and he's yet to do all the badges required to, right. to be on the Because championship the manager game. doesn't count. Championship manager doesn't count, no. Right. Even if you've been an assistant or a number one in Belgium, like he has, for example, doesn't count either. He needs to pass the uh, the UFA li A license, okay. which he hasn't yet. So it's not the only club. We mentioned it before. Uh, Pito and Montpellier is in the same case. So a few of the French clubs have spent... Mm. But at least he's bringing them a lot of points and a lot of good results. So I guess yeah. he's worth it for now. Well, he's got them up in 11th place as it stands. Montpellier, who you just mentioned... Uh, couple of points back, well, actually six points back in 14th. And then the next opponents, actually, midweek for Paris Saint-Germain. Yeah, and it's, it's, a, it's a tough place to go for PSG. I've had troubles before there in the past to, to play here and against the physicality that they have, the intensity. I mean, if they don't win in midweek, already the crisis is a little bit there and the fans are not happy, the ultras, etc. But if they don't win on Wednesday, I think it is, mm. this is going to explode. Bring, well, bring Poch back. Uh, <laughs> limiting the damage for Paris Saint-Germain was the fact that none of the top six won this yeah. weekend. Uh, Marseille, who are in third place as it stands, had the the began with Monaco. What would you call that? What kind of derby would you call that? Mediterranean derby, it says. I mean, you could call right. it the... Um, Club know. Med. Club Med derby, Club yeah. Med derby. I mean, for all mm. the, the, you know, the, the issues in the 90s uh, and what Bernard Tapie and Marseille were doing to Monaco and Arsene Wenger, we can probably find a... A funnier, funnier name than that. But for now, yeah, it's a Mediterranean derby and it was it was really, really good. Uh, Monaco played great in the first half. Where 1-0 up should have been more than that. Marseille were very good in the second half. Alexis Sanchez is, wonder is a wonderful player. Although, uh, he's 33. Although that goal. Qui s'est de se retourner. Le ballon derrière. La frappe. L'arrêt. Voilà. Alexis. Alexis. Alexis Sanchez. Yeah, Nubel. I mean, Nubel gifted them that goal. But still, Alexis overall was amazing. And, and Tudor could have become the first ever Marseille manager to win nine in a row. Oof. He stopped at eight with that draw. Uh, but it was, it was a very good publicity for Ligue 1. Not, not enough. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, clearly being Sorry. all together gets the best out of him. Yeah. But um, um, Marseille made a good signing in January, no? Everyone wanted um, the Morocco international from Marseille. Yeah, 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 as in Unai, yeah. Uh, which is a really good deal. You're right. Eight, eight million plus two in bonuses and a percentage of the resale for Angers. Okay. Great. If, if he's the Unai that we saw the World Cup, great. If the, the one that we saw before the World Cup with Angers, maybe not so much. Malinovsky is another one that arrived who they're very happy with. They're trying to do Asmun today. Uh, mm. Obviously the... Iranian Messi. Thank you very much. Our, beat, our goal show BT Sport um, favourite. Uh, from Leverkusen, who he hasn't really settled, hasn't played much. Uh, so I think there's a chance for them to do that, which 
which would be good. They were in for Trossard as well. I, I like what Longoria is doing, the, the, the president there. Uh, they have good ideas. They think outside of the box. And, and it's interesting, even if they miss out on Trossard, for example, but they, I think they, they could have got him too. So, yeah, they, they do a lot of very interesting things in Marseille. Right. Alvaro, were you reaching out for someone's need? Uh, did you want to say something? He's not as tactile as us. Well. He's, no. he's no. new not, a bit. Not at all. Not at all. Not, not at, at all. all. Okay, cool. Uh, it's uh, just my gestuality. Uh, no more than that. Fine, fine. All right. <laughs> Excellent, Jules. A anything else from Ligue 1 for now? No, nothing. I mean... Lyon won away oh, Ajaccio yeah. with a bit of RG Bargi at the end uh, between the two benches, which was always cool. It's always nice, a bit of fighting. They were a little bit lucky, but they won. And a big game that we had between Nice and Lille, very, very entertaining. Again, uh, Paolo Fonseca and his team losing, although they played really well. They had loads of chances in the first half. But Didier Digard, who's another manager at Nice, who's costing them 22k a game because mm. he's yet to pass all his badges too. He's doing a really good job since he took over Lucien Favre, who was too old and, and you know, uh, too old school. Uh, and Digar has revitalized that team, which is great because they play Lens and Marseille in their next two games. All right. Well, not long now until Paris Saint-Germain are facing Bayern Munich. So let's hear about them and that Bundesliga next. This is the Totally Football Show, sponsored by Live Score Bet, the home of squads. Squads is a weekly free-to-play game you reveal five players across the week which make up your squad and you can earn cash each time they score in the selected games. The cash amount is decided by LiveScore Bet's prize wheel and can range from 10p up to £50 per goal, which you can spin once the final player is revealed. Find out more and play squads for yourself for free at LiveScoreBet.com or by downloading the LiveScore Bet app on Android and iPhone. It's over 18s only and full terms and conditions apply. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. Would you like to reach hundreds of thousands of athletic subscribers? <laughs> Who wouldn't? Our lot are great. They're intelligent. They have demonstrably long attention spans for all of those long reads. And that means they're almost certainly the ABC ones you're looking for. Imagine your brand front and centre on the Totally Football Show. Or Talk of the Devils. Or Football Clichés. You can advertise with us now. Our highly skilled and effortlessly charming commercial team are waiting to hear from you, whether you want a single ad on View From The Lane or full title sponsorship on our Women's World Cup show. We've got something for everyone. Contact partnerships at theathletic.com. That's partnerships at theathletic.com. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Amiri gewesen, er verliert den Ball. Und jetzt noch einmal Brandt auf der rechten Seite ins Zentrum auf alle Möglichkeit für Adiemi! Und er schießt sein erstes Tor! Karim Adiemi in der 33. Minute! Borussia Dortmund there with their third straight victory. This one 2 0 against Bayer Leverkusen. Stunning team goal to open things up. And then. An own goal from Edmund Tatsova, who, who didn't, unfortunately, for. <laughs> Or Leverkusen in this case. But anyway, there you go. Quite a weekend in the Bundesliga where 
The top five, Rafa, are now separated by just three points. He had Bayern Munich slipping up against Eintracht Frankfurt. That's their third straight 1-1 draw. They're only one point, as you mentioned before, ahead of Union, who won the derby with Hertha 2-0. And only one point between them and RB Leipzig, who were 2-1 winners against Stuttgart. And then only one point behind Leipzig, you got Dortmund and Freiburg, who are going to be playing each other this coming weekend. What an exciting an exciting title race. Uh, Union there, with Isco now in and with a derby win, in second place again. Yeah, and they've also signed Aysela Duny. Yeah, from, very good um, signing. Ferenc Varos. Why is that a really good signing? Uh, he looked really good for uh, Tunisia at the World Cup and uh, he was cheap as well uh, by okay. these standards. It's just 2.5 million euros wow. they paid for him. Uh, Union are very good when it comes to transfer market. Uh, they have a really good coach and it was Fischer. They didn't even play all that well against Hertha, but they didn't have to because Hertha are pretty bad. They're second from bottom, Unione second from top, and that kind of sums up where these two clubs are at the moment. Um, for a team that's only in the Bundesliga for their fourth year, it's incredible how far they've come, and their stadium is being extended, and Hertha still don't really have a football real football stadium, playing in the Olympic Stadium, and it, it just couldn't be a bigger contrast. And, of course, the fallout from this game was Freddy Bobic getting sacked by Hertha. He was the sporting director. He'd done this great work at Frankfurt, moved over um, two and a half years ago, was recently linked with a Germany job as a, as a sporting director or national team manager um, in terms of you know a director of the national team. And it was quite a shock that he was fired because he was seen as one of the best operators at this level because of his great work at, at Frankfurt in the past. Uh, some lots of success, lots of success in the transfer market. But in Berlin, they decided they want a different route. They want to be very sort of Berlin centric. Uh, young players, academy players, also inside the club, they want former Hertha players taking over. Benjamin Weber, the head of the academy, has come back. Um, Andreas Zecke-Neuendorf, former midfielder, will come in as well. And uh, it's a very interesting change of strategy under the chairman, uh, Kai Bernstein, who's the only chairman in, in the top football echelon, echelons, who is a former ultra. Oh, yeah. And uh, is increasingly sort of mm, pushing his weight around a little bit at the club. And it's going to be very interesting how Hertha will, if and how, they will find a way to to get this right. I mean, they might have to do so in Bundesliga too. Right. The way things are going. As you say, down in the, the bottom two places, heading for the drop. Up at the top, though, which team do you think represents the biggest threat to Bayern? Themselves? Think, <laughs> yeah. I still think Leipzig. Mm. Um, they've looked very good under Marco Rose. They have the best, I think... Depth um, aside from from Bayern and Dortmund, I mean Dortmund have now with everyone fit a ridiculous squad, but maybe not quite as they don't quite have the same peaks, let's say. And if Leipzig can stay in the hunt and within distance of Bayern until Christoph and Kuku comes back, because he's not even there at the moment, and Daniel Olmo also only uh, got injured, unfortunately. Then I think they have a really realistic chance of, of doing it this year. Good Lord. But of course, we will always look at Bayern and, and think 
they are, as you said, their own worst enemy. And if they only play to the normal levels, everyone shouldn't shouldn't really stand a chance. But there is, there is, I think, increasingly a perception that yes, Bayern have problems, and they're not playing well. But in the past, maybe that wouldn't have mattered so much. Mm. It looks as if the Bundesliga is just a little bit better maybe this year, and you just can't is get away with weak performances as much as you used to in the past. Is there a case that before, when there was a bit of a title race, it was only Bayern and one club, whoever that was. Now that there's Bayern and four different clubs, whether they can stay there or not, increases the pressure because it's less pressure on... on I mean, the pressure is divided in four for the others instead of all being in whoever is second, Dortmund or Leipzig or... It's a great point, Jules, because in the past, clubs have almost been afraid of being seen as the challenger because once you talk about that and once you say okay yes we are trying to win then people say ha ha you know you once again fell short and that situation doesn't really arise at the moment I think Dortmund because of their stature because they're the last team to win the Bundesliga not named Bayern will eventually have to accept that they are in a title race and for their sake and for the, the league's sake you hope that their good run continues because I think it is, it's good for everyone, including maybe even Bayern, yeah. who get pushed just a little bit ha harder than usual. Mm. Three 1-1 one, one draws in a row. How much does Jao Cancelo affect things there? Well, they hope that he can bring a bit of dynamism and an ability on the fullback positions. They are uh, problematic because of the injuries. Even when everyone's fit, I think Nagelsmann wants more of a playing fullback. I mean... Masrawi is that kind of player. He's very good with progressing the ball and picking up the ball in good places. But uh, Cancelo, at his very best, is probably one of the best five fullbacks in the world on either side. Mm. And they haven't had, at least on paper, a player this good, I guess, since Philip Lahm retired. So it could be absolutely huge because right. this, this position has been a problem for Bayern now for, for a long time. Who are the other four top five fullbacks in the world, would you say? Trent Alexander-Arnold. Trent's in there. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Kyle, Kyle Walker, Walker for me. Kyle yeah. Walker, really? Yeah. Okay, yep. Yeah. That's two. Rhys James. We've got Xiao Cancelo. Rhys James. Rhys James. James. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So only one space left. In Italy, they would say Theo Hernandez. Right. No, but that's a... Uh, Left back. Yeah, but uh, uh, we're talking right, about yeah, saying any fullback is fine. Any, any fullback. Hakimi as well. Yeah, yeah Hakimi. Yeah. Yeah. Alfonso Davies. Right. right. Really? Still? Yeah. Potentially. He's not having a great season, but he could. Mm. He could and should be. He must be yeah. twenty-three max. He's still very young. He's very young. The yeah. only thing is, if you play Joao Cancelo on one side and Alfonso on the other side, not really sure who defends. To be fair, against PSG or against another team, it doesn't matter. And Upamecano and Delirte, or Upamecano and Theo and Lucas, sorry, are very proactive centre-backs as well. So, I mean, defensively, they would have to just find the right balance. Yeah, it's true. And that's that's been a bit of a problem. But what's more worrying for Bayern is that unlike the crisis they had in September, when they also had four games without a win in the league, mm. they don't create a lot of chances. Mm. Back then, you remember, it was all about, oh, Lewandowski would put, be putting this away and, uh, you know, lack of efficiency up front. Now, they play and you don't really get the sense that they will inevitably score. There's just not a lot happening. And it's puzzling how a team that looked so good before the winter break has looked so ordinary. Oh, Oliver no. Kahn was making the connection that this is a little bit World Cup related. Mm. 
just how we n- we're not sure because uh, there isn't really an easy explanation but he said I remember seeing a Bayern team before the World Cup and now we're seeing a, Bayern, a different Bayern team after the World Cup so I guess the inference is that confidence has played a role injuries of course picked up during the World Cup Manuel Neuer not being there Lucas Hernandez not being mm. there Pavar out of form after a difficult World Cup but it still feels odd that Bayern just looks so pedestrian. What's going on with Nagelsmann, Raf? Come on. Alvaro's got his hand okay. on him. Yeah. He didn't touch my leg, yeah. so he I don't know. Legs. He's, not, he's, he's got not, two hands. He doesn't yeah. like touching legs. <laughs> <laughs> How much of an influence uh, has Lewandowski's departure have in all this? Because sometimes he was winning many games on... On his own, or he was scoring as this a goal per game. So that gave Bayern a massive competitive advantage. It's very hard to answer. I mean, they've played some really good football without him. Uh, in the Champions League, they were very strong, very efficient. In the Bundesliga, as I said, after that little blip, they, I think, had a run of seven or eight wins in a row. Looked very, very strong. Uh, Nagelsmann has gone away from the system with no real striker, that 4 that he played to playing Eric Maxim Chupomoting through the middle and he's been on a fantastic run. So not many people are mentioning Lewandowski at the moment. And right now the problem starts earlier. They're not even getting into the box. They're not really creating chances. I mean, Joshua Kimmich in midweek had to rescue Bayern with a shot from 25 meters in the last minute to even get that draw against Köln. They never really looked like, like scoring and wasn't much similar against a very good Frankfurt side, admittedly. They, I mean, they... Bayern cannot really necessarily to expect anymore, I think, to just beat Frankfurt playing at 70-80% because Frankfurt have become too good. But Nagelsmann, just to answer your question quickly, is will be under pressure. Have you not mentioned? Oh, nice. sorry, James. <laughs> James. <laughs> the other James. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nagelsmann, to answer your question, James, Thank you. will be under real pressure if they lose to Mainz in midweek. They're playing Mainz on Wednesday in the Cup. And even more so if they get knocked out by PSG. Pwah. So everything will will hinge on the next couple of weeks or you know five weeks if you count the second leg. People I will. I think you need to count the second leg where PSG are concerned. He just needs to touch my leg. Correct. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's so bad what you just said. <laughs> it is in Munich, yeah. so that is right. is a bit of an advantage. But he doesn't have a lot of credit because last season was seen as a disappointment. Mm. Only the championship, but poor performances in the Champions League, poor performances in the German FA Cup. This year, he needs to deliver, and I think there's still a few doubts whether the relationship between him and the team on a on a personal level is actually as strong as with some of his predecessors. All right, great question, James, there. Yeah. Excellent. That's the situation there with uh, Bayern and the Bundesliga. Hey, next up, let's hear what's going on at Ajax. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to the Totally Football Show with James Richardson, sponsored by LifeScore Bet. You can get the latest football betting odds at LifeScoreBet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. Ajax, everybody. The Dutch champions dispensed with the services of manager Alfred Schroeder last Thursday after picking up their sixth draw in a row. They were seven games without a win, which is their worst run since 1965. Alfred Schroeder got the heave-ho and they promptly went out this weekend and won 4-1 against... Who did they win against this? It was Excelsior, wasn't it? They were at Excelsior. There you go. They haven't decided which bald white man they're going to appoint next as a full-time You're available. I'm available. (laughs) You don't have much on. Actually, no, I'm busy. Are you busy? I'm busy. It's either you or uh, Peter Bosch. Tell you what, though. What about Mike Dean? Mike Dean, because he's over in in the Netherlands at the moment. Well, he was this weekend checking out a bit of football. Haven't they suffered enough? dependent on the training schedule. And he knows his football. Uh, there was a wonderful interview that it, yeah. w- in which he really was at pains to explain how much he knows football. Do you know the history about this club? Do you know one person in particular that's very famous over yeah, here? Yeah, I, I know Dirk Kite, you played here. I knew that anyway before I came here. So I've seen his shirts inside in the boardroom as well. So, yeah, I knew he played here. I think he moved on to Feyenoord, then Liverpool, then Fenerbahce, I think. And then... I think Don't forget FC Utrecht. Of, of and then obviously he went to manage it. Uh, he coached in Den Haag the last year or the year before. Yeah, so I know, yeah. He made it clear like three or four times in those two minutes. Yeah, yeah he had no plan. He depended on the train railway network yeah. over there. Yeah. He'd kind of done a spreadsheet, I think. Of, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, it was a very impressive. They, I think they took in something like five matches. Yeah, they got early from Thursday. Out. Yeah. 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 Him and his daughter. And it's a regular thing for them. Yeah. Dutch football. All right. Mike Dean, everybody. Let's uh, catch up on the events of the weekend in Syria. James Horncastle. Sunday night, Napoli going 13 points clear with a 2-1 victory over Roma, while Juve sank to 13th and are in a relegation battle, says their manager. And Milan are kind of racing them to the bottom, apparently. Where do you want to start? (laughs) Uh, Well, let's go with Milan, shall we? Yeah. Um, Because the champions, well, the Scudetto on their shirt is coming unstitched uh, quite rapidly. Um, Now, they're not too far off where they were last year, they're only four points worse off. But the problem is they've got an extraordinary um, title rival in Napoli who are running away with it. And mm. uh, Jose Mourinho, before Roma played Napoli on Sunday night, said congratulations to Napoli on their Scudetto. They've already won it. Um, so, 
in terms of judging Milan's performance, it's not so much that they're far off uh, last year, but the deterioration over the last few weeks um, has been quite striking in that they've conceded three goals in a 3-0 defeat to Inter in the Super Cup, conceded four goals in a 4-0 defeat to Lazio, and they conceded five goals at home um, to Sassuolo how, at San Siro. How many do you think they'll concede this weekend? Then? <laughs> well, um, this weekend is the, the Derby della Madonnina against mm. uh, Inter. 6-0. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, no, they're going to score one, 6-1. Six, one. Six, let's one. see. But um, the board has faith in Pioli. We were just talking about Nagelsmann. Mm. Um maybe not having that much credit in the bank, purely still does because Milan didn't expect to win the league last year for the first time since uh, 2011. Um, but he hasn't faced this much scrutiny um, in three years when he was only two months in the job. Right. Milan lost 5-0 to uh, Atalanta when they were really in their pomp, or they're, they're really good now as well. And uh, Ralph Ranić's shadow began stalking um, Pioli. So um, the board will give him time. Um, but this was the first time that they've dropped out of the top four. And uh, I think what's been quite cool about Serie A is that, okay, title race is done and dusted, but there are three teams piling a load of pressure on Inter and Milan um, for top four, which is Atalanta, Roma and Lazio. Indeed. Uh, the Sassuolo game, it was remarkable because they were at home to a side who hadn't won in three months. So Sassuolo, I mean, their own issues. And yet they... They never looked in it, Milan. Well, they, they maybe did at the start when there was that lovely Giroud goal that was then disallowed for offside and, and a wonderful consolation goal at the end from Divock Origi. But looking at that performance, and I guess the one against Lazio midweek as well, you do, I mean, you can understand why the papers are now talking about Pioli's position and him having potentially lost the team. Yeah, and that's strange because he's already had a he's always had a great relationship um, with uh, this group of players, um, and you know since Maldini came back as technical director, they kind of really have restored that kind of culture at Milanello, that winning culture. Um, but you know, to, again, to pick off pick up one of uh, Raf's points about Bayern and Oliver Kahn's comments about a World Cup hangover. You know, with with Milan, some of their best players mm. um, were on the losing side for France in the in, in the World Cup final and have had to come straight into uh, a Serie A season. So Giroud, he did score um, at the weekend, even after having a, an earlier goal disallowed. That was the first goal he scored since coming back from Qatar. Um, Theo hasn't really looked um, the same player since he came back from from the World Cup. And um, Mike Maignan, he missed the World Cup through injury but was such a big part in their league-winning side and Milan having the best defence in the league last year. And you can really see that they, the defenders in front of him, the team in front of him, really misses his authority. Um, so there's a lot of pressure considering that, as we mentioned, they've, they've lost the Super Cup, which might not strike our listeners as a big deal, but it was, it's a trophy, something that Milan wanted to win. And they went out of the Cup as well um, to, uh, to Torino uh, when Torino had 10 men um, as well. So, you know, it, this, the derby's big, but again, Champions League coming up. And I, I suppose that's the one measure of progress that we've had from Milan mm -hmm. um, this year that they got into the knockout stages for the first time since 2014. But the way they're playing at the moment, um, you know, it's, it, it's odds against them to reach the quarterfinals. So um, I have to see if Pioli can turn this around. All right. As it stands then, they lie in fifth spot 
You've got Napoli, as I mentioned, 13 points clear. And then you've got those five teams within three points of each other, Inter, Lazio, Atalanta, Roma and uh, the Rossoneri. Uh, Napoli-Roma on Sunday night, what an unexpectedly good game. We should mention at least Victor Osman's extraordinary opening goal. Mario Rui, 1-2 che si chiude, Kvaraschelia, lato corto, entra in area, alza il pallone, secondo palo, Zimen, in area, Zimen! Che gol! Victor Osimen spacca la porta e porta in vantaggio al Napoli! Yeah, Osimen, who is being talked about as one of the top five strikers in the world at the moment. Um, I'm always a little bit wary of that. I know what you think of Chiro Mobile, James. It's not much. Um, <laughs> Lukaku was the league's MVP, came back to Chelsea. He's now back at Inter where he hasn't really played all season. Um, Osimen's younger. Um, you look at his skill set. It's really exciting. Um, and he's scoring spectacular goals and looks like he may win uh, the top scorer crown and be- become the first African player to do that. Yeah, but it's such a shame because unlike Didier Drogba, he just dives so much, doesn't yeah. he? Mourinho, yeah. <laughs> say that right, yeah. I, d- I don't get this. What do we, did Mourinho say that Ozyman dives a lot? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he did, he did. He really? Did. Yeah. Well, he, yeah, unlike Didier Drogba, yeah. he would okay. never dived. Did Mourinho say that as well? Yes. Yeah. Well, Jules, um, on the occasion of uh, Jose's 60th birthday mm. last week, mm. um, uh, posted on his social media accounts. If you don't follow Jules already, follow <laughs> him. Um, uh, a, a quote that uh, Mourinho made when Frank de Boer made some comment about Marcus Rashford. Yeah. And uh, he said, you know, if Marcus wants to learn how to lose... Um, <laughs> to be coached by the Boer. Yeah, because he lost... He had seven games in the Premier League, lost seven, didn't score any goals. What was curious about um, Jose's uh, social media on Monday morning mm. was he posted this photo of the uh, Roma dressing room uh, and saying, what a performance, uh, what pride, and all this sort of thing. And for someone who uh, has always been, you know, Marcus would learn how to win, you know, given he works, worked him and me. For the first time, I've seen Jose kind of well, yeah, celebrating, celebrating, a, a, celebrating defeat. a defeat. You're right. Um, and, and, you know... It, he was right to do that because the performance from Roma was really good, and they've got a, they've got a shot of, of, of qualifying for the Champions League for the first time in in quite some time, considering the points deduction that Juventus have faced. Mm. But to see him kind of, um, you know, again this this conversion of Mourinho to being like I, I take so much pride out of playing these three kids from the academy who were playing on plastic pitches at our training ground last year uh, yeah, that's that's what I'm really in this game for now to bring this next generation through and to be he's celebrating a performance he's changed him he's changed until tomorrow yeah. he changed the, the tune <laughs> what's mm. the best goal is it the Ozeman goal or the Mitoma goal this weekend well they're similar aren't they I think Ozeman yeah it's more dynamic mm. more yeah. Yeah. I think Mitoma is harder to score Mitoma yeah Mitoma. I stay with Mitoma. I mean, I, I, yeah. right now you're very into Japanese culture. Very into Japanese culture. <laughs> in yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Uh, and Mitoma. <laughs> Mitoma, yeah, sorry. Yeah. I know you would appreciate the Mitoma. The yeah, Mitoma I mean, goal. for sure. Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned Juve's points penalty. Uh, we had the explanation from the, the judge as to why he'd given f- 15 points. That came out on Monday. And he said basically that uh, they had falsified results. Them doing their transfer wranglings had essentially given them a side that they shouldn't have been able to have which falsified results and, and Juve saying I mean that doesn't make any sense results but, well 
Yeah, results is specifically what he well, said. Well, what, what they mean by that is... You've been able to attract the calibre of players. That wins your game. You, they could actually say, no, but we actually got uh, our tour in, so you should give <laughs> us points from <laughs> <the day." laughs> But uh, But yeah. Uh, so uh, I mentioned the fact that Allegri was saying on, on, on Sunday, we need to be aware of the fact that we need to get points to stay up at this point. They've dropped to 13th. They're still a ways above the bottom three. But there is the potential of another points penalty down the road, James. Yeah, because uh, the criminal case, uh, which will have its hearing in uh, March, um, looks into a lot of different things. So one is transfer player trading revenue, which we've we've already talked about, and which was what the sporting case, which led to the 15-point penalty, was looking into. But the other thing is these things called salary manoeuvres, which is how they pay players uh, during covid um, sort of when they paid players, what they disclosed to the stock market and when. And and so the sporting the sporting prosecutors are have opened another case into that, which they've requested another forty days so they can look at the evidence gathered in the criminal case. Um and with that to not go Juventus's way, there is the prospect of another points penalty, which is you know, why Allegri, even though Juventus are thirteenth, which is kind of mortifying for Juventini anyway, um, is saying we're in a relegation battle. Mm. They're 11 points above the bottom three at the moment. But yeah, if you mm. get another 15-point penalty, yeah. then... <laughs> or if you continue yeah. playing like they did against Monza. Yeah. yeah, and Allegri is usually someone who exudes uh, calm um, and he's always telling his players to be patient, um, to not rush things, to not overreact. Um, and, you know, he tries to be this kind of measured Zen-like presence on the, on the touchline. He was really, really angry um, after that game. He said it's the worst first half performance he can remember. Um, and the players are not kind of accepting reality yet mm-hmm. that they're, they're in a relegation fight um, and they need to drown out all this noise around the club which is really, really difficult to do, particularly when you've got some players, for example, who've come back from the World Cup, like Di Maria, like Paredes. Di Maria, who we don't know whether he's going to still be at the club next year. He seems to want to go back to Rosario Central in Argentina. Paredes is on loan um, from from PSG. Um, And then you've got a load of kids that have come through Mm. and had to come through because Vlajevic has been injured, although he came on the weekend. Pogba has been injured, although Pogba was warming up on the sidelines um, and looks like he may make his return next weekend. So all of these kids have had to come in, and this isn't isn't an ideal environment to be playing kids um, and and staking your survival, if you like, in in the league on on a group of teenagers. So it's a a really, uh, really complicated um, situation. The weekend saw Monza go above Juventus in the table. Uh, next behind Juve are Salernitana, who face the old lady next weekend, and they equally with a win could move above well, Juve. And, and, and so Juventus uh, say that the points penalty is a clear injustice. Right. Uh, not the first one um, that they have suffered this season because mm. the, the first was when Juventus played Salernitana at the Allianz Stadium. Oh, yeah, Juventus' yeah, winning goal was ruled out um, after VAR. Um, but it subsequently turned out that there was another camera angle that the VAR didn't have, which showed that Milik, the goal scorer, was onside right. when he scored. So um, just injustices reigning on Juventus at the moment, in their view. Right. Very good, James. Well, we'll have the Milan derby next Sunday night, won't we? Along with all the latest on Juve and the rest of Serie A in Golanza Live on yeah. BT Sport. We can you know, sort of go through the transfer window as well, yeah, uh, we'll do that. in Italy. Florian yeah. Tovan. 
Yeah, maybe joining Udinese. Udinese. Yeah, Ooh. I think that's done. <laughs> it's such Ooh. an Udinese signing, though. Right. It's like Isco going to Union Berlin. Not, not so that much. Man. Nothing is like Isco Union Berlin. Excellent. Alvaro, I'm touching your leg. You're next. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Alvaro, Rino Gattuso is out, out at Valencia. Yeah. Following yet another defeat. What happened this time? I feel sorry for him, really, because he said at the beginning of the season that he was very involved, that uh, he would like to be the Simeone of Valencia, Mm. um, talking about longevity and all that. But what happens to every Valencia manager? That they arrive there, they get promised things by the board, which is basically Peter Lim, the owner of the club, and then those promises are never fulfilled. Uh, Gattuso wanted signings in winter, and uh, you know he's out because uh, by mutual agreement uh, he decided that uh, with the board that it was time to depart. All right, out on <laughs> out on a limb. You, I mean, out from a limb, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a shame, isn't it? Alvaro, um, I remember one of Catuzo's first press conferences uh, where he was talking about whether he was a pussycat and or not. Yeah. I think the press oh. were accusing him of maybe being a pussycat. And he said, you'll Gattino. see You'll see that I'm a, nice. a lion. A, a lion, t- yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So what was he in the end? Was he not, yeah. Uh, he tried to be a lion, you okay. know. And I think Valencia at the beginning of the season played with uh, some fury. Mm. And they played uh, in that style. But then, you know, injuries happened. Mm. Uh, Samu Castillejo was out. Nico, uh, the player on loan from Barcelona, also picked an injury. And Gattuso wanted the holding midfielder. That's everything that he was asking for. And... Um, Valencia didn't give him that. Uh, they tried to get Saul, who, by the way, scored in the weekend. Um, but at the end, they didn't get Saul because his wages were too high. Anyway, you need, didn't, didn't need to be an expert in the transfer market to know that Saul was making a lot of money at Atletico and you couldn't afford a player like that. Right. But it's been a story of, you know, the love is gone. Uh, the results haven't been good, but it has happened to every manager. Bordalas last season, Javier Gracia. Gary Neville. Gary Neville, mm. it's oh, another please. example of how badly run please. Valencia is. Valencia is terribly run at the minute, and uh, it's been like this for, for 10 years, and uh, it's, a, it's a real shame, really, because they were one of the big sides of Spanish football, but this ownership has destroyed Valencia completely. If you see the squad that won the cup in 2019, and not only the squad, but the structure they had, with Mateo Alemani now at Barcelona as a sporting director, Marcelino as a manager, Parejo, eh, Rodrigo, eh, so many good players. Carlos Soler went to PSG as well. He's not doing great there, but he was important for Valencia. The team has been dismantled completely. So um, it's to the bones right now, Valencia. And uh, they are close to relegation. They are a point away from relegation. One point above the drop. But then again, Alvaro, everybody in the bottom half is about one point above the drop. Uh, 11th place, Almeria down. Yeah. Uh, they're two points off the bottom three. But, I mean, everybody's in there. Valencia, Espanyol, Sevilla. 
as well. We yeah. mentioned, although this weekend they did get a big win, didn't they, against Elche? That's the thing. That's Not a, from Los Che to Elche. To, Los Che oh, to Elche, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are ejecting. The thing with Sevilla is that they have played against the bottom half. Uh, sorry, about the three teams in relegation ah. at home in the last three games. And they beat all of them. And that gave them nine points at home, very revitalizing points. And Enesiri is scoring goals as well. It looks like he's not going anywhere in the transfer window because apparently Sevilla wanted to and sell him. And Brian Hill is coming back. Brian Hill, yeah, but I don't know if that signing is going to make a difference because uh. when Brian Hill went to Tottenham, Sevilla and Monchi were congratulating themselves uh. for the business because they thought that Brian Hill for 20, 25 million, whatever Tottenham paid, was a very good business. Mm. And now he's coming back. And Lamela is there, and Papu Gomez is there, and they've got many, many wingers. So I don't know if the Brian Hill thing is actually a big thing, because he played for Valencia last season on loan, and uh, he didn't make such a big difference anyway. Okay, all right. Valencia, one point off the drop, Sevilla, one point ahead of them. All sorts of drama there at the bottom. Elche, uh, one of only two teams left in Europe's top five leagues who have yet to win a game this season. Who are uh-huh. the the other unfortunate side? Cremonese. Yeah. Cremonese. But they did knock Napoli out of the cup. Yeah, bizarrely, no? Yeah. On penalties. Elche has nothing to be proud of mm. this season. Nothing at all. All right. What, what about up the other end, Alvaro? We've got midweek games coming up for Barcelona, who are taking on... Uh, Betis. Oh, yeah. Real Betis. There you go. And also Real Madrid are playing. Currently, there's five points between... Uh, Barcelona in first place and, and Real in second. Yes, uh, Real Madrid are playing Valencia, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Valencia will have a caretaker manager, Boro, again. I think this is How many times? Sixth time, I think. Oh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. He loves it. Yeah, he's, he, wait, he's waiting he, for those moments. He reminds me of Tom Hagen a lot. Um, in uh, the, in Godfather. the Godfather, yeah. Right. A lot, physically. You have to oh, check yeah. that look alike. Yeah. Anyway, and. Uh, I think that uh, Real Madrid... Because Tom Hagen did some managing in Scotland as well, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, he did. Good for him. Yeah. yeah. Another Boro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think it's that... Got uh, to a cup final. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, sorry, to go on. Yeah. No, the, this game is uh, important for Real Madrid because Barcelona, as bad as they have been in Europe, then uh, when it comes um, to domestic football, they mm. are set to make 50 points. And... Uh, does it mean that Barcelona are a great team, like Napoli, uh, who made 50 points as well, as well? I really don't think so. Does it mean that they are as good or as dominant is the, in their country as Benfica is, who I think they made 50 points as well? I really don't think so either. But um, they are not conceding goals. They have conceded only six in the six league. Six goals yeah. and ter- three ter- against Madrid as well. Three against Madrid. I think yeah, that th- at th- home th- they haven't conceded from open play. Ter Stegen has been fantastic. When Araujo and Kunde play, Barcelona is a totally different team. They've got some proper uh, engine, legs, uh, robustness in defense. And then I think that the quality of La Liga, especially when it comes to the forwards, hasn't been too good this season. And this explains as well why Barcelona has conceded um, few goals in comparison to how many they have conceded in the championship. But all that together, you put it together, you shake it, and it's a good cocktail for Barcelona. Dembélé is out. Uh, because he picked an injury uh, in the last game. So this is going to be bad for them because Dembélé has been mainly with Lewandowski, the only attacking weapon that has worked for Barcelona this season. And sometimes the plan is to give the ball to Dembélé so he can do something. Sometimes good, sometimes not too good, as we saw in San Siro. I want to see what Xavi comes up with now, that uh, his plan A and plan B and plan C in attack, which is giving the ball to Dembélé, is no longer an option. Okay. Lewandowski currently on... 24 goals in 28 games. And he's back season. against Betis. And he's back this, mid, this midweek. Yeah. Right. 
All right, well, uh, Real Madrid, meanwhile, dropping points. They were goalless with Real Sociedad. Uh, anything else you want to talk about from La Liga? <sighs> Just very How quickly. About... Oh, yeah, is it Inaki Williams? Yeah, surely. I, yeah, Inaki Williams. Uh, he stopped his own record in 251 games in a row played in La Liga. He played, started... 251 games in a row yeah. for Athletic Club. For Athletic Club, yeah. Incredible. And what happened this weekend? Uh, he just picked a muscle injury. Got lazy. Got lazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he said, OK, I've, I've done enough. I earned my salary, you know. I can take a weekend off. No, it's been amazing, really. Uh, he's not having a great season. Uh, we saw that in the World Cup as well. He's not the most prolific man, but he's been always there. And uh, I'm sure that he will not have a, a run like this anymore, but he's so reliable at the same time. And he's still only... Uh, 27, 28 years old. So, you know, I think that uh, he's doing such a good service for us. Mm. It's oh, not what? the record. You know, I think in Germany, in the 80s or 90s, someone played 279. I looked yesterday. Klaus Fichtel? Maybe, yeah. 280 games in a row, something in the Bundesliga. What about Brad Friedel? No, but we took outfield players. Outfield players. Yeah, yeah, goalkeepers. Yeah, yeah. Goalkeepers don't count here. All right. Yeah. So I think he's second behind yeah, uh, one of Rafa's boys. Uh, Right. Only one mention about Real Madrid uh -huh. and their calendar because it's been Marca's front page today. Real Madrid's calendar is going to go mental right now because they are in the cup semi-final, two games, one in March, one in April, against Barcelona, by the way. Then uh, they are playing the Champions League against Liverpool. They are playing the Club World Cup as well. And uh, La Liga hasn't even completed the first half of the season yet. Real Madrid has played 18 games. So February, March and April, but especially February and March, because we don't know if Real Madrid is going to be involved in the Champions League in April, are going to be mental for Real Madrid. And that's one of the reasons why Carlo Ancelotti is giving a chance to the likes of Ceballos, Camavinga. I mean, not only because there are injured players, because also you have to test this man. Right. Carlo Ancelotti cannot win the double again using only 12 or 13 players. Camavinga and Ceballos are responding very well, by the way, and Nacho too. So that's good news for Real Madrid. And now you would wonder why they don't sign anybody. There is no answer for that. They try to sign Mbappé in summer. Real Madrid, normally in the last 10-15 years, they've been tyrannizing the market. They've been the T-Rex of the market. They are no longer that. I Short that, arms, yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I think yeah, they, they, Florentino doesn't want to make mistakes, doesn't want to sign uh, for the heck of it. Right. He doesn't want to do that. But still, Real Madrid could do at least with someone who could actually take uh, Karim Benzema's place every now and then, at least for 10 minutes. Okay. But they don't have a player like this because Mariano is in the squad, but he... But he's, he's, he's not there. He's on holiday, basically. He never plays. Okay. When you mentioned fixed opponent, it just made me think of something about PSG. Just did anybody discuss the impact on uh, this weekend's game, uh, the draw against Reims, of their jaunt last week to Saudi Arabia to play? No, not really. It's a good point. It's a good point. It was a day return, so they went They to went on the same day and flew back? Yeah, they went. They trained in Qatar. They went from Qatar to Saudi Arabia and then flew back in the night after the game. Yeah, I don't know. May maybe there's something in there. Mm. How they, did the they game go? They also have a crazy... In, in Saudi Arabia, yeah, yeah. they won 5-4 against the uh, the all-star team from you know Cristiano's team. Okay. Um, but but their, their February was All-star, I thought it was all NASA. Oh my Sorry. god! It's time to, to, to finish this show. But yeah. their February is crazy because they've got Marseille twice, they've got Bayern, of course, they've got Monaco as well, Lille. Oui. So PSG, it could get far worse than what it is now, which is already bad. It's that kind of season. But Hakim Ziyech is coming, by the way. Sorry, because we no. did transfer before. And then you Hakim messed up, the dream. You messed up the beginning. You asked two people about transfers. Yeah. Not the other two. Then right. we went to moment of the weekend. Yeah. You'll be rested today. So Very I'm going to tell you that Hakim Ziyech is on his way. Okay. Listeners. You, you must be happy. Do you right. need him? We don't. I mean, 
it's, it's always a good idea to sign Mike Yesh, I think. But no, not really. I mean, Pablo Sarabia has gone to Wolves. Thank yeah, God for that. I mean, I was hoping <laughs> it would go before. Right. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, so it's an upgrade on Sarabia, but so would I be. Mm-hmm. Maybe even Horncastle probably would be an yeah. upgrade on Sarabia. Yeah. But I would not have signed him. I think they, they need some... They need... Uh, Sarabia is where uh, Cristiano Ronaldo plays this. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say it's a Lion King character. No, no. <laughs> Which it is as well. Visits Sarabia. Funnily enough, in, in Italian, it means uh, gets angry. Yeah. yeah. Sarabia. Sarabia. Well, he never got angry for us because he Did was he not? No dreadful. No passion. No, nothing at all. Oh. Um, so, yeah, let's see. Let's see. I mean, he's a, he's a really good player. It's just I thought, it, had you signed a player, I would have gone in another direction, mm. other position. Not Ziyech. Mm, okay, I do love him. All right. Anything else that I missed out on Jules earlier, or should we wrap it no, up? No, you were good overall. It's just that that intro was a bit like, what are mm, we doing here? But yeah. anyway, yeah. I, I was excited. Next week. <laughs> yeah, when we're back remote. <laughs> nice. All right then. Well, it's been really special to spend this time together with you all and listener. You too. Thank you for being along for this ride. We'll be back next Tuesday, as Jules mentions. But many thanks to him, James Alvaro, Rafa, and special guest producer Jesse today. Do have yourself a great week, and we'll catch up with you next Tuesday. Bye. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Discover bonus video content by searching for The Totally Football Show on YouTube and see the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Totally Football Show is an athletic media company production and sponsored by LiveScore Bet. Get the latest football betting odds at LiveScoreBet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. The Athletic.